You are now listening to Closer in Tech, the podcast created by the D2 Collective. This is Erica. And this is Nasty. The D2 Collective's vision is to make the tech world feel closer. This podcast aims to inspire you through the ever-changing world of tech. Meet Gary. Gary is a strategic, integrity-led and proactive entrepreneur, passionate about connecting talent from less privileged backgrounds to opportunity at scale. After joining Zinc's Accelerator Program for Entrepreneurs, he recently co-founded Tangent. Their mission is to close the network gap and make employee referrals work for everyone. We met Gary during his three and a half years at LinkedIn in Dublin. Gary is a very inspiring individual committed to make the world a better place. He also hosts um, a Climbing the Rungs podcast, a social mobility podcast that aims to inspire people from less privileged backgrounds to achieve career success and raise awareness of issues related to socioeconomic backgrounds. Welcome, Gary. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. Um, delighted to be here and cannot wait to get into the discussion with you both. Thank you so much, Gary, for being with us. This is Erica. So can you tell us a bit more about um, yourself for people who don't know you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll start from the beginning. Um, so I'm Gary. I grew up um, low income, a single parent family in London. So come from a quite a less privileged background if you like um but since kind of my childhood I've gone through an upwardly mobile journey so I got into my first choice university of a scholarship did summer internships at big companies big banks like Barclays and then started my career at LinkedIn on their graduate program based in Dublin um, and that was really like the catalyst for social mobility for me um I rotated around a few different business units on their graduate program and then eventually rolled off into the sales team where I was selling recruitment solutions to companies and was really good at it. You know, I can sell the water to a fish under sea. It's quite silly. Um, when I believe in the product and the value it can bring, I'm quite, I'm really good at that. So to the point where I was earning you know, six figures, um, way into the six figures by the time I was 24 and, you know, growing up low income, but then being on that level of income at such a young age, it was like a pipe dream that had become true. And not only that, right, I was at LinkedIn. So I was, you know, there was free food, there was free gym, we had an on-site masseuse, it was like, I've made it, it was like, life was good, and you know, LinkedIn really was a great company to work for, definitely spoiled to have started my career there. But after kind of three or so years, I realised I wanted to have a bit more of a purposeful career, and I realised this when I was um, working in sales, and I got my biggest paycheck, um, I think it was July 2019, or something at this point, and I got somewhere between 20 to 30k in a month. And this is mad, right? Because that's like, some people's annual salary I've made in one month and there was this great feeling of pride that you know I've worked really hard and I've honed my craft and I have managed to get to this level of income but it was a very fleeting experience you know not after not long after feeling that level of kind of moment of pride if you like I just kind of went away and I you know, just had to go back to doing my job and LinkedIn was fine and working in kind of sales LinkedIn was was great but it wasn't where I was kind of getting some energy and passion from it. So, so it was at that moment I knew that it wasn't just about how much money I earn. I like being a high earner, but it's not just about how much I earn, but also how I earn my money. What is it that I do that gives me my income? So at that moment, I realized that I needed to make a career change. And then I did. So I quit LinkedIn, quit my six-figure job, took an 80% salary reduction, which was very difficult to do, particularly when you grow up poor, um, and moved to the British Council, where I was leading social mobility programs. Whilst I was there, I created my own podcast, which Nasty already spoke about, which did really well, was featured in the media, won an award from McKinsey and Company, and it's 
boosted my personal brand to the point that, you know, I do lots of public speaking on it, most recently at the Oxford Union. Um, but I've always been obsessed with scale. So at the British Council, I was kind of helping a couple hundred people with our programs every year. My podcast, I was reaching thousands. You know, so I was thinking, what's next? How do I reach millions? And I always knew that entrepreneurship was the route to doing that. But I've never started a business before. I don't know how, I don't know any investors. In fact, what is venture capital? Um, and then I came across this program called Zinc. It's funny enough, even though the British Council were moving there came with a lot of like risk, it had to happen. Because when I went there, I met a lady called Beth. And she's an alumna of the programs that I was managing. And so we did some work together and then our kind of work finished. And after that, she had then went on to go and be the recruiter for Zinc. Now, Zinc is a venture capital company and they run a program called The Venture Builder. Effectively, what they do is they recruit 70 people from around the world to join their program. You join the program pre-idea, pre-team. You find your co-founder on the program. You start working at a business kind of uh, building a company and at the six month mark of the 12 month program zinc makes investment decisions in some businesses um i had never known heard about zinc before like just would never have come across me had i not gone to the british council and met beth because she had seen all the stuff i was doing at the, um, with my podcast and so forth and reached out to me and said hey gary i'm um, just open applications for our most recent program i think you'd be a good fit for it um and long story short i applied but my co-founder started building what's known as tangent now and we've got the initial investment from zinc and we're still building out so it had to happen it was a very difficult decision leaving linkedin and kind of taking that pay cut um but had i not i wouldn't be where i am today um so that's a bit about my background um happy to talk a bit more about tangent um if 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 that's of interest to you that's great gary um i think we'll touch upon tangent a little bit later but thank you so much for taking us through your journey and it's it's really been a journey um as well sort of since since we uh, last were working together now a couple of years ago in in dublin um i know of course that diversity hiring is um is a topic very close to your heart and i wanted to understand can you tell us more about this topic so what is diversity hiring it's a great question um i'm sure different people have different kind of answers for this but i suppose my take on diversity hiring is it's effectively an approach to recruitment that focuses on still hiring top you know qualified talent merit-driven recruitment but that accounts for bias in the hiring process and underrepresentation of particular groups that, that's what i would say um we all have biases you know it doesn't make us bad people it's actually like natural to have them but these can affect how we interact with other people and consequently how we hire. So it's important that we build recruitment strategies and approaches that account for these biases and gives all candidates an equal opportunity to enter and thrive in the workplace. So to me, it's all about, you know, still focusing on how can we get the best talent in our company, but doing, doing it through a lens of um, equal access to opportunity and removing bias and giving everyone um, that chance to you know, be hired. Um, so that's what I would say is diversity hiring no, nothing more different than <laughs> typical hiring but with more of a kind of inclusive lens um through it thank you so much for sharing that um gary i i mean it resonates with me a lot like diversity hiring because it's something that i wasn't really aware or not conscious i'd say until a while back until a couple of years ago uh, because then you realize that you really hire, like hiring is made like via bias. And as you were mentioning, there's nothing bad about that. I think people get really scared about the word now. Uh, but of course, like we were all at LinkedIn and LinkedIn, I think 
is a place where diversity is valued and celebrated and we all kind of benefit from uh, kind of the positive impact of having a diverse team. What are what what was that experience like for you and what is the impact of having a diverse team? What do you think that is? So when you say what the when you say what's the impact for me, what, what do you mean exactly? Sorry? Yeah, no, just just in general, having a diverse team, I think we all experienced that. Like for me it was a very positive experience when I was at yeah. LinkedIn. It was the first time I um, ever had it compared to when I was working for a company in Italy before where there was like zero diversity of anything. Um, so it was a very positive impact. So I wanted to understand a bit more about your experience at LinkedIn, but not only like how like diverse like teams you've been part of uh, have had an impact in your life then and your performances. Um, and also like more in general, what is the impact of having a diverse team? Sure. So I'll start off a bit general and maybe talk a bit more about how it's impacted me, I suppose. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to kind of, kind of, uh, you know, repeat what I've said. But I think we all know that diversity like wins. There's numerous studies out there that talk to the value of diversity, you know, from a financial performance perspective. So we'll just kind of, you all know them, but I'll say it anyways. Um, you know, McKinsey have done studies over the years. I think the most recent one was in 2019, where they've just clearly shown that diverse teams financially outperform teams that aren't as so diverse. So, um, you know, teams that have the most gender diversity, I think, are, you know, have 24% or their profitability is 25% higher than um, teams that aren't as diverse. That's actually 36% for ethnically diverse companies. Um, Accenture recently did a report, a report actually this year they found that um, companies that focus on social mobility, which is very important for us at Tangent, have profits that are 1.4 times higher um, than companies that don't. So there's a clear mandate for why diverse teams are, is, is a good thing to focus on. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, when you have a diverse team, you get lots of diversity of thought, you have people that have insight onto different onto the different lived experiences of different types of people and how to approach and engage different types of communities, how to best position your products um, to those people, how to enter new markets. And you have people that have come from those areas, you then have your best better position to then, you know, kind of leverage those opportunities that come from there. And that's just like, makes sense, I think. Um, so that's like a clear kind of a value of having diverse teams. Uh, I think an employer brand is obviously one as well. So in terms of how you attract talent, how talent wants to work for you. Glassdoor did a kind of recent study themselves and they found that 76% of um, employees and job seekers report a diverse workforce is an important factor for them when evaluating companies and job offers. So, you know, if you're not diverse, you could be losing out on a lot of talent because of the fact that you don't have that kind of inclusive, diverse um, organisation that people want. And kind of going back to my kind of experiences, I mean... Yeah, LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. It was amazing, you know, based in Dublin, I think for a number of reasons, it wasn't the most diverse from in a kind of an ethnic perspective. Um, but even kind of broadening out from that, when I was working in sales still, you know, I'd get contacted quite uh, a bit by other companies who wanted to hire sales talent. And, you know, I'd always have the calls, you never know, like, you know, just have the calls, you know, kind of um, train that muscle of interviewing and so forth. And one of the key things I'd always ask is like, how diverse is your team at the moment? Because I've been the one person or the one black person in in the team, and I've been for the other like I've been that learning experience for someone else where they might have said something inappropriate to me, and I've you know 
know, we've gone into a room, I had a conversation, you know, talk, talked about it. And I've been that person too many times in my working career. And I don't want to be that person again, or I don't want to be that person and experience that in isolation. You know, so when I am, you know, at the time anyways, when I was kind of looking at other companies, I'd always want to ask like, how diverse is your team? Because if it's not, I don't want to have to be that learning experience for people that aren't diverse again. And I also don't want to be the only person like in my immediate team or so forth to go through it. I want to be able to share that experience and talk about it, talk about it with others that can understand it. So, you know, when companies want, I just like, regardless of the pay or the product or the company, I'm just not interested. It's not worth the effect on me. And that's kind of a, a broader thing. You know, we can talk about the financial performance and talk about the employer brand, but for the individual employee, it's like the mental exhaustion you have to go through when you are kind of a you know, diverse person and the experiences you have, it's just a lot. And, you know, I've had people say, I like to think generally innocuously, harmlessly, but, you know, say some really like, you know, rogue things to me in the workplace. And it's just not something that people should have to experience when they're at work. It should be a safe place for you where you can be yourself and you should be, you know, free of um, any kind of comments or experiences that affect you. So I think there's a lot of impacts about having a diverse team, you know, the financial performance, the, your brand, how that affects um, how you continue to attract talent and also how it affects your kind of your, the well-being of your employees when they're in work, just being around people that can understand their experiences, that can share their experiences is an extremely cathartic one and um, should be, you know, encouraged. So, yeah, I think that's some of the things there that stand out to me about having the best team. I'm sure there's lots more, but from my media experience and interests, I'd say those are the top of mind. Thank you for sharing your your story um, on this, Gary, and as well sort of the impact it has on the individual, but as well on in a team and in 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 the organization um, for the wider business. What I wanted to understand from you: Would you have any sort of practical tips for hiring managers or anyone who is more in the talent acquisition sphere to adopt a diverse recruiting strategy sure yeah there's so many things that people can do and um i by no means will have an exhaustive list of it but some things that do come to mind is i think it's very important if you aren't already and even if you are just continue to to collect diversity data on your workforce so you know, data doesn't necessarily give us the answers, but it allows us to ask the right questions. You know, if we can say that we know that 40% of women apply to our job applications online, but only 5% of them get to first round interview, you know, having that data doesn't actually tell us why that's happening, but allows us to start asking relevant questions. You know, like what are, you know, what's the job descriptions like? What's the, you know, who's making decisions on first round interviews, you know, and when we can start to have data, we can start to ask the right questions, which allow us to then interrogate particular aspects of our recruitment strategy and improve them so that we are getting more diverse talent through, you know, what gets, what gets measured gets done is kind of the, <laughs> the kind of the, the saying that people use. And if you're not collecting that data, you're not having a comprehensive overview of kind of your diverse diversity in your workforce now, then you won't be able to make the right improvements to your strategies so i think that's core and i think you need to continue to, that. You need to collect that every year you don't it's not something you start and stop it's a continuous thing um second thing would be to like constantly review and assess your recruitment channels and how they affect diversity so you know, for us you know at tangent we exist to democratize employee referrals right and I'm sure i can talk a bit more about that after um but you know when we look at referrals as a recruitment channel, it's one of the biggest recruitment. Our average of a lot of companies is like 
40% of their recruitment will come through referrals, which is a lot. It's one channel. But 44% of all referrals made go to one type of person. That's white men. 44%. That's almost 50%, right, of your referrals comes from one channel. And then the next biggest proportion is white women at 22%. But if you add that together, 66%, two-thirds of all referrals go to white professionals. You know, if you're probably looking at them more deeply, I'd, I'd hazard a guess that those probably are going to more economically privileged professionals, right? Because referrals is all based on networks. If you don't have the networks, then you can't get referred. And people that oftentimes do have the better networks come from higher social groups. So, you know, it's a great recruitment channel. We love it because it's, you know, giving us fast talent quickly, cheaply, etc. But there's this tension that it has on diversity, right? Because the types of people that you're getting through that channel aren't aligning with your kind of your diversity ambitions and where you kind of need to be on that so it's important that we're always assessing these things i think okay how can we better if we like referral that's fine we probably don't we we can't get rid of it it's a great channel but how can we democratize access to them get more diverse people um into our referral process Uh, and that's what we exist to do at tangent so we are kind of an employee referral platform we connect job seekers specifically from lower socioeconomic backgrounds to employees and tech companies for a referral opportunity um, ultimately what a job seeker does is they submit a video pitch it's no more than two minutes where they share why they're interested in the particular career why they know they're good fit for it and then employees can come onto our platform view those pitches you know contact the ones they think are the best match for their role the role and company and then refer them in um, we're starting specifically with tech sales roles so sdr bdr roles but we'll have have ambitions to grow very quickly to other roles as well and you know we've had people who submit one pitch for a bdr role and are getting referred into four different companies um you know getting interviews there as well getting hired like it's really making a big impact whilst at the same time you know helping companies be more diverse so that's one thing i would say is a constant review and assess your recruitment channels how are they affecting diversity the positively and negatively uh, and what can be made um, what improvements can be made on those and then I think the last one is just something that I was like, is just set and publish diversity targets. So I think it's always important to have something to hold your account to. You no know, target, you can miss them, <laughs> you know, but it's if you don't have that, I think if you don't have that thing that's holding you to account, you've shared with other people, people are going to be kind of checking in on how you're tracking against that metric. You know, you can easily push things to the side or lose, you know, it's not as much of a priority, but when it's out there in the world, at least publish it you know, publicly to everyone or at least to your workforce. I think that creates a bit of the mandate for you to really um, hit that target. So um, those would be some suggestions to me is, you know, collect data. You know, data doesn't give us the answers, but it allows us to ask the right questions. What gets measured gets done. Review your recruitment channels, particularly your best ones. You know, referrals are an amazing channel, but they're typically really, really bad for diversity at the moment. What can be done there? Tangent can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd, def- I'd say, you know, publish those diversity targets either publicly to the world or at least with your organization to hold yourself account. Um, to account to them and ensure that you are continuously working towards them. Thank you so much, Gary. I feel like the tips and recommendations you share are very actionable, but I'm curious about Tangent and want to learn a bit more about it. What is your vision for it? Yeah, I love that question. Thank you. So, yeah, Tangent, the bigger vision is really to create this human-powered generational wealth engine that transform social mobility basically so referrals is just the beginning you know we really we exist we're a messenger of a startup where we want to make a world where the circumstance that you're born into did not kind of limit your career and wealth outcomes and and, the, and tangent as a referral kind of platform is the beginning of that they were getting people hired through the best recruitment channel 
but we know that that's just we need to do more we need to create products and services that accelerate people's careers gets them promoted and um, once they are set, earning a le- level of income helps them get the knowledge networks and tools to manage grow and distribute their wealth because one of the common challenges that people from socially mobile backgrounds face is that they don't know how to make their money work for them like how do i grow my wealth how do i invest my money in fact what is a pension i don't know that so you know, the remit is really to to transform the way generational wealth is built right now um and we're starting just with um referral platform but we have lots more ideas um in that it's a it's a duty we believe we have um uh to do at tangent and just that by natural consequence of building this to its kind of highest level we will grow and create a multi-billion dollar company too um but that's kind of the broader vision it's like how do we make building generational wealth as easy as tying your shoelaces you know when you first start to learn to tie your shoelaces it's difficult you don't really know how to do it but as time goes on it becomes super easy it becomes second nature and that's what building generational wealth should be like it should be a very easy and inclusive um, endeavor and not something that's constantly hard and exclusive and only available to a select few people thank you gary for sharing that and more about tangent. What I wanted to know from you on a personal side, that's of course connected to this. Um, so you recently went into the, um, uh, the accelerator program with Zinc and yeah, became an entrepreneur. How is that? How has that journey been for you and up till now? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, being an entrepreneur is like, it's, it's interesting because it's on the one hand, the most challenging thing it is by far the most challenging I've ever done. That's what I would say. But equally, and if not more so, the most rewarding, it's like a calling. It's, you know, my pursuit of transforming, you know, the kind of social mobility, making it, the, you know, um, creating equal access to opportunities. But that's just like my, it's like, that's like my duty in life. I really, I know it might sound cringe, but it, that's like my purpose, you know? And for me to deliver on that, at its highest level, I have to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is the most scalable way to have impact. Um, so I, even though it's hard, I have to, I know, for me, I have to do this. Um, and it's, it, again, it's really hard, but it's the most rewarding thing when you see what you're building is having the impact that you want when you're seeing people that wouldn't have typically had the opportunities um, to get into you know, really big companies that could transform their lives, like the way LinkedIn did for me. It's just, it makes all the hard work worthwhile, but it is tough. It's an emotional roller coaster. You know, one day you get an email, you feel like you're the smartest, best person in the world. Five minutes later, you get another email that's not good news and you feel like you're so silly. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why me? You know, it's just ups and downs. Uh, and it's always going to be like that, to be honest. You know, it's I just, you've got to accept that's not going to change. But um, yeah, it's not for everyone. I think you really have to have a lot of conviction in what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, you know, in many ways, you, you, money isn't just enough because it's so hard. You have to have a, a higher calling. Um, but as I say, it's it's like I have to be doing this if I want to have the impact on the world that I know I can. Um, so I have to put myself through this experience. But it's um, being a founder is it's a unique experience. You know, building something from absolutely nothing that was once just a an idea in a pocket of your brain, building that. You know creating the technology finding the users getting the customers getting the investors building it iterating failing getting better improving learning it's just at lightning speed it all has to happen so quickly as well it's um it's a very unique experience but um one that is i can't i can't almost put it into words it is 
one of the best experiences uh, as well. I'm very fortunate to have gone through Zinc. Um, to be honest, they definitely they've helped on so many different ways from understanding how to really find a problem that's big enough, you know, commercially big enough to engage with users and pick out insights to building a solution, understanding and building a good theory of change, um, connecting with investors, business modeling. Like there's a lot of support they give you on that, um, which would have made, I wouldn't have approached building my business the way I have now had I not gone through Zinc. And um, it's a global program so anyone can apply from anywhere and they sponsor visas as too. So if uh, anyone is interested, I definitely suggest checking them out and happy to talk about anyone who has that kind of entrepreneurial bug they want to kind of uh, satisfy. But yeah, interesting kind of calling. I'm just at the beginning, <laughs> um, but looking forward to to what is to come. Thank you, Gary, for sharing all your insights, your own journey um, from your career to now being an entrepreneur. I honestly cannot wait to see where you go and where attention goes. Um, but thank you so much for, for everything today. I just I think m some people might have been or might be very curious and want to connect with you. Where can they find you online? Sure. Yeah. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm most active on LinkedIn. So my name is Gary Zunwa, so that's G-A-R-Y, Zunwa, I-Z-U-N-W-A. Always happy to connect and help. You know, I've not got to where I am, you know, I'm very, very, very early in my entrepreneurial career, but I've not got, you know, through LinkedIn to British Council to hear about support and help for others. So it's important to pay it forward. If anyone does, if I can help in any way, always feel free to reach out, drop me a note. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is um, kind of the best place not really active on any other social media um and of course follow tangent it'd be great to follow tangent all different socials so that's just tangent on linkedin check us out on online to www.jointangent.com and um, follow our socials it'd be great um but yeah that's that's where you can find me thanks so much gary thank you for listening to closer in tech a podcast created by the d2 collective we are on a mission to make the tech world feel closer. If you're new here, the D2 Collective is a global value-based membership community for those working in tech. Our members get access to a growing network of inspiring and talented individuals, regular meetups in the major European cities, and additional content to unlock their personal and professional growth. If you want to be part of it, head to the D2Collective.community.